divine interruptions. Divine interruptions. I usually call them uh, the devil's interruptions or the devil sticking his foot in the door or, or something else, but rarely do I think of them as God preventing something bad from happening. But many times, that's exactly what it is. We get really bent out of shape thinking that God has let us down or, or disappointed us. I'd like you to go in your Bibles. We're going to read two places in the book of Matthew, in chapter 14. Verse 22. And straightway, Jesus constrained his disciples to get into the ship and go on before him to the other side, while he sent the multitudes away. When he had sent the multitudes away, he went up into a mountain apart to pray. And when evening was come, he was there alone. But the ship was now in the midst of the sea, tossed in the waves, for the wind was contrary. And in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went to them, walking in, on the sea. And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, "Is the spirit. And they cried out for fear. For straightway Jesus cried out, said, spake unto them, Be of good cheer, it is I, be not afraid. And Peter answered and said, Lord, if it be thou, thou bid, me to come, bid me to come to thee on the water. And he said, Come. And when Peter was come down out of the ship, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. But when he saw the wind boisterous, he was afraid and beginning to sink, he cried, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus stretched forth his hand and caught him and said unto him, O, li o of little faith, O thou of little faith, wherefore didst thou doubt? And when they were coming to the ship, the wind ceased. Now, let me ask you a question. <clears throat> We've heard that read a thousand times. We've thought, it. oh, Peter and his rational jumping out and responding. But what if Jesus had never come? What if Jesus had stayed on the shore, stayed on the mountain, or he went on to the other side and passed them by? Who knows what the tragedy and the outcome could have been, right? They could have been devastating. They could have died on the way over. Now, Jesus probably foreseen that, but he still could have done it. But never once do we sit and think, oh, that was Jesus intervening in a storm up on the ship in the, in the sea. We don't think about his intervention as being a, a positive thing when it is. Some of your biggest disappointments in life have come at a time when you were expecting so much and something happened, but God got, got in the way and he did it on purpose so that he could later on do something great in your life. How many of you can relate to that? I thought it several of you many times. You don't see it now, but the situation you're in, you're in it for a reason. It doesn't have to it's not a bad reason, it's just a reason. And instead of you freaking out and, and blaming God and thinking that He has a vendetta against you, it's really him preventing something bad from happening in the future. It's God's divine intervention. And I like it. Go to Matthew chapter 8. <clears throat> Verse 23, and when he entered into a ship, his disciples followed him. And behold, there rose a great tempest in the sea. Have you ever wondered why he always had uh, life-challenging situations or it always got bad when they got in a boat? It's like, like there was something to prove or, or something was going on. But here we got to the boat and there's another storm. And he said, behold, there arose a great tempest in the sea. And so much that the ship was covered with water. But he was asleep. And his disciples came to him and woke him, saying, Lord, save us, we perish. And he said unto them, Why are ye afraid, O ye of little faith? 
Then he arose and rebuked the winds and the sea, and there was a calm. Oh, let's go back through both of these for just a minute. Both had to do with water. Both had to do with about being in a boat. Why did God intervene in the middle of a, a where many of them were fishermen? Their expertise was in troubled waters and in, and in the boat and, and dealing with things that would come against them at times. Was it to show how incapable they were in doing it alone? Because they were incapable. They weren't incapable. They were very capable. But both situations, he intervened and got involved, even though he was asleep in the hinder part of the ship. Don't you think that's, there's no way that boat was sunk with him in it? Do you think it would? There's no way it could have sunk until they were all falling apart. He showed his authority over all the elements. But these were both in the field of expertise that the fishermen understood. They knew what this was about. And believe me, but, but even with the understanding of this, they knew how extreme it was, and they knew they were in dire straits. They were in desperate situation. But the Lord in his divineness intervened and got involved and delivered them. These both showed where the disciples, this both showed where the disciples would be without him. The necessity of God to show up at the right moment, divine interruptions. I thought of myself and divine interruptions or whatever. My wife and I was talking this past week. Uh, when we lived in uh, Jackson, up in Cape Girardeau, Jackson area, we left Teen Challenge and we was looking for a place to, to build and, and we, was, we got a HUD, we was approved for a HUD loan and, and we got a, a little, little cutting, uh, cut, cookie cutter houses, you know, all these little big areas. This is one little subdivision and we picked out a lot down there and we wanted this lot and then we couldn't get that lot and the house built there because it had a water fire hydrant on it so they took it from us so we said we didn't want any lot here is at the end of this cul-de-sac and, and so then from there we started looking at other places and everything that we tried to do, everything went belly up. We had a house bought. Couldn't wait. I was so excited. A little split for your house out on Route W. It was a great, a great big yard, about a quarter of an acre. And man, that was supposed to be a joke. Anyway, had this big yard, little yard out there in his house, but it was a little bit out in the country. You probably know where it was, Bill, out there on Route W. Uh, we go right to go to Teen Challenge, and you just go left, right, just a little ways. It's very convenient. And we were excited, and they had a problem with the sewer. Well, the sewer lines, blah, blah, blah. We said, well, okay, we'll correct that. We'll, take, we'll do something to do with that. And then he had another problem. And finally, they, I told my wife, I said, there is a reason why we're not getting in this house. I said, I can't understand it. It doesn't make any sense to me. But if God had not intervened, we would have ended up owning that house. Now, some of you, well, what's the big deal? Finally, I said, if there is one more problem with a property line or with a septic or anything, we're not getting it. Well, just tell them. And so, lo and behold, it was on a Friday, this lady calls. She goes, well, there's a problem. The light isn't as big as they said it was, and part of the septic goes up on that light. I said, forget it. We're withdrawn. We're not buying the house. And when it was over, I was like, one day and I were both like, what are we going to do now? Where are we going to go? I said, I don't know. We'll just keep paying, paying rent in this big, nice mansion <laughs> that we're renting here in Jackson. Is a little, well, we go swimming. It doesn't matter. Uh, um, no, it wasn't. It was funny. We lived in a, a little two-bedroom house out there in downtown Jackson, and we lived up on a hill. But for some reason, every time it rained, it came come down the Baptist Church parking lot, overflowed, went down into our yard, and it all ended up in our basement. And we had two pallets high, our washing dryer, you know the scenario. So, but that next week, I got a call from my mom and told me that my cousins were leaving the church in Kentucky. This all happened in a period of, a week, 
It'll set things in motion. The Lord had a divine intervention in my life because I would have messed it up. And we weren't doing anything wrong. We were trying to provide something for our family. But God was preventing us from getting tied to something that was hard to sell anyway. And he spared us and we went to Kentucky. That's another story. But it was still a God's divine intervention that we didn't understand. Um, go to the book of John in chapter, chapter 4. That was one divine interruption. You will learn to cherish, if you haven't learned already, you'll learn to cherish these times when things don't make sense, why they're going the way they have. In the end, the Lord will come through and he'll prove himself to you that it's been his plan if you'll be consistent in your walk. How many times have we had divine interventions? Bunches. Times we didn't understand why we were going through this and transition this and job this and, and et cetera, et cetera. But I'll go, I'll go to John chapter seven, verse, chapter 4, verse 7. There cometh a woman from Samaria to draw water, and Jesus said unto her, Give me to drink. For his disciples were gone away in the city to buy meat. Then said the woman of Samaria unto, a, Samaria unto him, How is it thou, being a Jew, askest of a drink, which I am a woman of Samaria? For the Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. Now let's jump over to verse 16. And Jesus said unto her, Go, call thy husband, and come hither. And the woman answered and said, I have no husband. I want to, I'm going to stop her for a minute. Jesus stopped her in the middle of the day when nobody else would have took time to see her, or talk to her, or spend it, give her any, any kind of uh, acknowledgement at all. And Jesus stopped her and he asked where her husband was. And she said, I don't know. I don't live with one. I don't have one. And Jesus said, That's right. You've had five. What was wrong with her having five husbands? I don't know, maybe something in her past. Maybe she didn't value the guy enough. Maybe she didn't think enough of him with her husband. But there was something about it that the Lord called that to her attention. And it was, it was to prove that he knew her life, but it was even more than that. And come hither. And the woman answered, I have no husband. And Jesus said unto her, Thou hast said well, thou hast well said, I have no husband. For thou hast had five husbands, and he whom thou now hast is not thy husband. And, and that sayest thou truly. Let me read you something. What if Jesus said not ask her that? What if Jesus and I went out of his way that they to go to Samaria. What if Jesus didn't know the exact time she was coming? What if Jesus didn't care enough about anyone like everyone did? Well, we're going to go in a little bit. What if, what if? When Jesus began to reveal to her, she went back and told the whole town what had happened. This man is, is a man that told me everything i ever done. And I think that she was very detailed to them. The Bible doesn't say how detailed it is, but I believe she really speaks truth of what was happening meeting a man there sitting on the well. And I'm going to read something to you. It could have been a sequence of the old classic television series, The Waltons. When the family went through the evening ritual saying goodnight, However, this family was very different. Sean, a young boy, raised his voice to say goodnight. Dad, I love you. I love you too, son. Good night. The boy's sister, Dawn, offered her nightly salutation. 
Good night, Dad. I love you. The father remained silent. He he could not make himself say anything. He only could say night. With tears in her eyes, the mother looked at him in disgust. You can't even tell her that you love her. Don felt a loneliness that was frightening to get through the night, just like every other night, a bitter root buried deep within her, causing her to hate her dad and men altogether. The subsequent divorce of her parents didn't help. The nighttime was still absent from her father's voice. He still, he wasn't there at all. When he came to visit the children, Sean was the only one he had picked up. Don stayed looking out the bedroom window as they drove away, but she buried her pain so deep that no man would be able to soothe it. Why would her father despise her? Was that, what was the hatred that he had toward her? What was, why was she the one feeling guilty transferring his hatred toward herself? As John grew up, she dated, but no man, would tr- no man could ever be trusted. Her re- relationships didn't have a chance to last. She went through marriages as fast as mo- most people date. She didn't know what she was looking for, and no man could fulfill her need. She was attracted to the same man, the same man every time. I'm going to say this again because I, I want you to listen. She was attracted to the same type of man every time. The bully, the hard-living, mysterious. The man reminded her now, of her now-absentee father. Like the woman at the well, whom Jesus spoke concerning her failure in relationships, Don also grew from the Don also drew from the depths, but her well was filled with bitter water. Like the Samaritan woman, Don needed a word that could that spoken to hmm. Don needed a word to be spoken to her that could penetrate the hard shell of restfulness covering her broken heart, resentfulness of her broken heart. When Don met David, it's all going to change. When Don met David, he surprised her. He seemed to have quite a confidence within himself, a calm demeanor, a resolve so attractive she couldn't resist wanting to know him. He was a good-looking man. His character and personality made him, made him even more very handsome. David spoke to Don as, like he already knew her. He seemed to be able to read her like a book. His words were not shallow or trivial, but surgical instruments that were able to cut deep, so deep, in fact, that she became frightened of his awareness of her. I can just see it. I can just see this guy reading her mail and presenting it to her. But he had a a real concern, had a real love for her. How can he know me, she thought to himself. I don't understand. During the conversations, his eyes focused upon her. He went and even glanced around the room. His attention was undivided. He listened, and at some times it was awkward. After each date, Dawn would determine to protect herself, worried that she was letting him in too deep. She often used... She had often used sex to manipulate men in order to control them, to control the relationships. She tried to seduce David. It didn't work. But he wouldn't take the bait. Don, I like you. I value you way too much to misuse your, to misuse your trust in me. Let's get to know each other. Let's build a relationship on a stronger foundation than something that's physical. She didn't realize the change in her appearance until one day when she looked into the mirror, she realized that her skin seemed to be more flush, more alive. Her eyes were clear. Her skin was fresh and clean. Her hair and her nails seemed to grow. She dropped in weight to, to a trim, healthy number that she hadn't seen on the scale in years. She hadn't even been di- dieting. What's happening to me, she wondered. Her friends quizzed her about her new radiance, and she just smiled and shrugged her shoulders. There was a subtle change because of God's divine intervention in her life. In each and every one of us, there will be a subtle 
and it's in increments. You don't expect it. And one of the hardest things about God's change is we want him now. When he begins to do work, we want everything to change instantly. But it takes time. It takes a period. The bitterness she had harbored like a treasure possessed her suddenly, argued with her. Don't think this guy loves you. He's only playing to hurt you. She tried to, the inner voice, she tried to debate with the inner voice, but seemed overwhelmed by his power. Her anger was so strong against men that she snapped at David. Who do you think you are? Who are you to come into my life only to hurt me? I won't allow you to control me. David's calm and soft answer was like a soothing massage. Don, let go of your hurt, your hurt your father caused you. I will never leave you. I will never hurt you. I'll tuck you into bed each night and whisper in your ear, I love you. In his gentle words, he sowed into her, caressed her pain, and began to wipe away the tears. How true of a statement is that from a man who has some character? Now, that may not relate to every issue, but every one of us can relate. If we're a man or we're a woman, we can relate to the different parties. I want to I talk to you about something that we need to have in our life. Gallant in our relationships. What does the word gallant mean? It's an old word. What does it mean? Gallant. Yes. Treat, it's how you treat. It's something that works from the inside of who you are. It doesn't matter what you've been against and what you've been up against and what's wrong in your life. If you're a man who is gallant in his beliefs and his, and his thinking, it's, it begins to ooze, it begins to come out of you. And it comes about out of you to everyone around you. And this, well, let me just read my notes. When a man is gallant in his relationship, God has intervened, God has intervened in your personal life that you'll have a family. How many of you ever thought in here you'd ever have a family? I don't comment, don't say anything, but I know a lot of you, it was, it, we won't go there. Um, but God has intervened and you have a family. You have a children and you're raised them right. Your integrity is upright. You have a clear purpose because there's something more driving you than disappointments. There's something more driving you than, than God interrupting and causing to break up with someone or causing uh, some tragedy or something else that you don't always understand. You live a life that is committed to the one whom, oh, to the one woman. You live a life that is committed to one woman. One, one, one. And you've got that because you're gallant. There's something about you that's different. And you may have experienced a lot of things, and your spouse may have experienced a lot of things that are disappointing and a big letdown. But when there is a man who can stand up and do what is right, it's amazing what he can do to, to bring uh, the fulfillment of God's purpose in their life. God divinely in, interrupted your life with a purpose. God has a plan divinely appointed season in your life. I don't know why you married me. Says, uh, uh, <laughs> that was wrong. Uh, Bill, you can laugh. It's all right. Uh, I don't know why you married me. It wasn't per, for my perfection or because I was gallant. But I've learned to be gallant more now than ever was before. But the thing I can see in our life is that God has brought through tragedy and disappointing times and terrible things, he's brought them around because you were faithful, because I stayed faithful to him. Regardless, and in each of our lives, if, if, you can, if you can get that, if you can be gay in your relationship with the Lord, 
and you, you separated yourself from everybody else. And I know it's hard, and you get aggravated, and you get depressed, or you don't understand. There is no excuse for not being sold out to the Lord in your relationships. Because it's amazing what he can do in your life. I'm going to go, I'm going to close uh, in the book of Esther. If you go to Esther chapter 4. Esther chapter 4. <clears throat> I can't throw myself under the bus because I can't throw anybody else. But things have not always went the way Wanda thought they would. They don't always went the way I thought they would. It has, not that it has some disappointments and, and failures and, and a variety of things throughout 32 years. But there was a young girl who was raised by her uncle, and she didn't have anything in life, and she was brought into a highly, high position. He was, she was the king's wife. And there was something going on with Haman, and that's a whole other story. But it's important to know this. Look in verse uh, 13. Then Mordecai commanded the answer to Esther. Think not with thyself that thou shalt escape in the king's house more, more than all the Jews. If thou altogether holdest thy peace at this time, there shall, be a, there shall be an enlargement and deliverance arise to the Jews, but from another place. But thou and thy father's house shall be destroyed. Who knoweth whether thou art come to a kingdom, you know that famous statement, for such a time as this. Everybody in your family may be wiped out. Everybody may be gotten rid of. And I'm going to say this to each of you. If you do not have the guidance, you don't have the inner quality to stand when things go wrong and things go unfairly, then how can we expect God to carry through in this? In every one of our lives, we've all had things like this happen. It may not be wanted, not at all, not, not all the way that we had planned and we thought. If we don't do something, we all would be lost. And we won't be exempt. Even her whole family. And Mordecai was probably driving the point home by saying that. But her whole family had another, because he would have been killed. A few others, I don't know all the details, but they all would have been interruptedly taken out of the, of the scene. But because of her obedience, and you know, read chapter 5 and you find the obedience of Esther, that God began to fulfill and God done it in a unique way. I'm going to read something to you by Dietrich Bonhoeffer, and this is only part of it. We must be really, we must be ready to allow ourselves to be, be in, interrupted by God. God will be constantly crossing our paths and canceling our plans by sending us people with claims with, and petitions. We may pass them by, preoccupied with our more important task. If we, under, if we only understood, many of you will go out this week and you will cross paths with people you never had before or somebody you haven't in a long time. There was divine moments and divine appointments that God has for people to come into your life. And are you ready and are you willing to step in the gap and be a spokesperson for the Lord? And the last scripture I'm going to read is in the book of Luke.
there's this guy in this chapter, and, and he was like all of us. He got in the car. He drove to work. But this particular day, there have been some other people in front of him. There have been a, a pastor and been a board member went by him. But this particular day, he had got to this narrow spot in the canyon or the valley he rode through, and there was somebody beat up on the side of the road. And you know, I'm kind of living this. Divine interventions. If it hadn't been for this guy, the man in Romans in Luke chapter 10, the good Samaritan went out of his way to do something for somebody else. Now, it wasn't that his life was impacted so much, but it was other person's. And it is very important that you don't ever underestimate, underestimate the reason you're in somebody else's life. I'm going to pick on Donnie's for a second. You have a son and a daughter. They're all away from Russia. There is a reason. It may not be fair and all the things you went through to get them, but you finally got them here. And it's your responsibility to be the one who pours into them, speaks truth to them, gives hope to them. And it, it goes through the rest of us. And everybody, everybody we run into contact, we come into contact with, we are divinely appointed to speak many things to these people. Or we can be like the other two. And I'll tell you what else, what we will become like. By chance, there came down a certain priest that way, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. And likewise, a Levite, after he was at the place, came and looked on him, and he passed by on this other side. That's us, if we're not active. If there's somebody that's dependent on you, it just is. I want you to get some music ready. Quit, need to quit being so, so narrow-minded to think that it just affects us. Because there's a lot of divine appointments that God has hindered somebody else from moving on to give you time to speak to their life, to speak hope in a place where there isn't hope, to pray for deliverance and bring deliverance where there is no deliverance. And many times in our life, it's the same. Honestly, don't know any particulars of anybody in here, but I know, do know this. When you begin to have interruptions, you begin to have setbacks, you need to stop and say, okay, Lord, you got my attention. What are you trying to prove? What are you trying to speak to? Am I supposed to be instrumental in somebody else's life? Because God sees the big picture. He doesn't just see the little bit of inconvenience that rests upon me and you. He wants to speak to all of us.